Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Time now for the nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. What's up? It's the Nightcap, Joe DiBiase and Derek Kramer here on WGR. Yerp. Did you have a good New Year's? I mean, I had the New Year's that I wanted to have. So, yes. Uneventful, hanging out, just yeah, okay. not doing much of anything. Yeah, that's good. New Year's, uh, you know, it's not the greatest night to go out, at least. I've gotten to... It's a good night to go out, but it's not one of the elites. That's that's definitely, like, day before Thanksgiving, uh, St. Patrick's Day. I've, I've officially... Know. I think I've officially reached the age of, I don't care to go out for New Year's old. Have you ever gone to the, to the ball drop? Like, once. How was it? Meh. That's what I would have thought. Yeah. Meh. Meh. Especially on it's a there. day like uh, Monday or, uh, or Tuesday just... when it was – or Monday. Why yeah. can't he talk? Um, and the uh, the rain was coming down, and it was still cold. So. Oof. That's especially rough. But that makes it tough. I'd rather just go to a friend's house, you know? Hang out there. Last year uh, on New Year's was – remember, last year, New Year's Eve, was the day the Bills made the playoffs. Yes, so, that was that was far more superior and fun. I was here until midnight, and then me and a couple a couple of my buddies. I'm like, all right. I was getting out right at midnight. I'm like, oh, where are you guys going? Where are you guys at? And they're like, we're at the airport. I'm like, oh, you're at the airport. You're waiting for the team. So I'm like, all right, I'm coming. So I went down there, and that was awesome. Like it's one of the best New Years I've ever had. Was going to the airport after midnight and just waiting in ten degree weather with uh, with. I don't know how many people would have been there. A thousand, uh, thousands of Bills fans. Can I say thousands of Bills fans would have been there? Um, and just chanting and doing the doing the ch- doing the, yeah. uh, the the song. And I and, like um, you was here until song. midnight, and then I had to be here to cover for Brayton for the morning show. Oof. Best four hours sleep I ever got. Oof. Yeah, I know that can help get you. It's like a, it's like a shot of coffee or a shot of espresso. Yeah, in your that coffee. was getting up in the Bills morning for the that was like, yo, this is the first morning where the Bills have made the playoffs. Uh, I'm I'm already good to go. So we got a we got a fun show for you tonight. I got a lot of stuff planned. Uh, I want to talk a lot of Bills, um, a little bit of Sabers. I got some strong opinions I think on the Sabers right now, but we've got plenty of time to talk about them uh, throughout the season. So I want to put a bow on this Bills season here and kind of. While we've got one foot in 2018, one put the other one in 2019 in terms of their seasons. And Sean McDermott said something that was really interesting, I thought. Which isn't always the case when he talks to the media. Um, I thought that his comment about, you know what, I'm I'm happier today in terms of the long-term future of this team. I'm happier after this season than I was after last season making the playoffs. And instinctually, I'm like... Okay, that makes sense, but come on. Right? We all get that. We all think, you know, there's reasons for to feel that way, and some of us probably feel the same way. Like, long-term future, sure, that makes sense. I feel better right now because of Josh Allen's presence and the season that he had as a rookie quarterback. We feel better than we did last year, knowing there were still a lot of question marks for going forward. But come on. Last year was so much fun. Um... 
I, I, there's, I was feeling great last year. How how much fun that was making the playoffs for the first time in my lifetime as a Bills fan. And while obviously I think we all felt better after last year, you get the sentiment and you understand that yeah, they're in better shape now maybe than they were last year because now we know what's up. We know what's up. We know Josh Allen's the quarterback. We know he's good enough where we can start to have the conversation about going out, getting free agents if they if you want to and really start to build this thing up and we can really maybe start to talk about expectations and pressure. Cuz although they made the playoffs last year and coaches in the past like Rex Ryan for instance have been fired after year 2, last season no pressure on the Bills. Almost none. Rookie quarterback, all this dead cap room, uh, first-year offensive coordinator, a lot of turnover at a ton of different positions, and really it became, as it always should have been, it became the season of Josh Allen. It all became about developing him as a prospect, getting him into games, getting him experience, uh, just watching for him, evaluating him, more so than even evaluating the team in most circumstances. And... Now we're at a point where I think he showed well enough that now I think we we can start to have the conversation about expectations in 2019 being raised. Sal's got a story about this at WGR550.com, and I couldn't agree more with it, that like now's the time to start winning. Last year, 2018, was kind of a wash. It was never about the playoffs. I never realistically thought they ever had a prayer of making the playoffs. The only path to that happening would have been Josh Allen showing up and having like a Mahomes-level season in his first year. Just, holy cow, look at him. How did he not go first overall? MVP candidate, carrying his team. And while he was very good, he clearly was not that good. But he was good. And that's enough for me. I just wanted him to look the way he looked. Competent. Better as the year went on, I think we could fairly say that now. I I was fighting back on that a little bit in the later parts of the season because the Minnesota game existed for one. Um, One of his best games was early in the year. But really, he strung some games together at the end there that I think you can fairly say now, All right, he got better as the year went along. He got more consistent. Seemed like he even got more accurate. One example of that is, if you think back to the Charger game, there's a Specific play, if you can, if anyone remembers this. It was a play-action kind of rollout, and Pat DeMarco released down the field, completely uncovered, and Allen put it, this is in the Charger game, Allen put it behind DeMarco by a lot. And DeMarco kind of had to turn his body around and adjust to it, and as he's catching it, he falls because of the adjustment that he had to make to catch it. And it was like, all right, that's a 30-yard catch. That's a great play design by Brian Dable. Look at Josh Allen, got it to his receiver. And the, I don't know, I, we had somebody on the station uh, at the time that used that play as an example. It's like, okay, look at this play. Although, that's going to go on the stat sheet as a 30-yard gain to Pat DeMarco. Watch the play and not really watch the play. It's a negative. Because although you're getting 30 yards because of the play design, because Patrick DeMarco is releasing wide open, the throw by Allen causing DeMarco to fall as he's catching it Costs you like another 15, 20 yards. That's a negative. And 
one part of his progress, even just like a specific, like same play. They ran that same exact play late in the season. I think it might have been against Detroit. Um, I don't remember. I think it was Detroit, though, because I think they were wearing the red. And it's the same play, and Allen puts it right on the money. And there's that extra 20 yards by Pat DeMarco because no one's covering him. And that was kind of, you know, it's just one, two plays next to each other. Maybe not never a great idea to compare those, but it's an example um, of how he came along as the season progressed with accuracy, with decision-making, took less hits when he was running the ball. So all in all, I'm good with him for right now. I'm not sold on him. I'm not ready to just crown him the franchise quarterback, the quarterback of the future. I'm not ready to say he's going to be here in five years or ten years, but good sign. Arrow pointing up. And that's all you can ask for right now. Because nobody, you, we can all guess at it. And we can all say that we're optimistic about it. But this in this league, you can't definitively say somebody is a franchise quarterback. And like you, you can't say you found your guy, to me, until he's strung at least two, three years together. Where you know that guy's going to be great. Robert Griffin III had one of the best rookie seasons ever. And he was almost never heard from again. Colin Kaepernick had a great rookie season, and if we just take away all of the off the off, all of the protest stuff for a second, he went from top ten quarterback in the league early in his career to yeah he's pretty good he's an average starter, and that's happened a lot. Difference between those guys and a Russell Wilson who came out right away and was great, and everyone's like okay is he really this good? Then year two, then year three, then year four, they're all the same. All right, he's the guy. Now you know. And we're trending that way with Allen, but we're not there yet. So, this all leads me to 2019. What are we supposed to think of 2019? 2018 was just kind of in the way. It was a it was a roadblock that you had to hurdle over to get your quarterback, to get some stuff figured out. The dead cap, for one. It was just kind of in the way. You were never going to be a great, great team in 2018. And now we're past it. So now you are freed up in a lot of ways. They have more stability or what the Pagulas have talked about a lot before, continuity. They'll have more of that going into 2019 than I can remember. When's the last time they had all three quarterbacks figured out in January? When's the last time you had your head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator figured out in January? That's assuming, by the way, that Dable and Leslie Frazier don't get hired uh, to other jobs, which I guess they could get interviews, it seems like, but I wouldn't realistically think that either is going to be a head coach in the NFL next season. So it seems like you're going to have both coordinators and your head coach. And I don't know. I was just looking over the starters, and we'll actually do this in the next segment. I want to go starter by starter and just kind of evaluate what what guys really do they have to change from. What, what positions do they need a new starter at? And I was starting to do that just to prepare for it. And I'm, I'm go- looking at the defense. I'm like, all right, linemen? Like, yeah, sure, you could upgrade on the ends, and maybe that rookie that you draft ninth overall ends up being a, that position, and maybe you do that. But I don't need to do that. Shaq Lawson was good. Murphy's a free agent who you're paying. Jerry Hughes is still here. It seems like Jordan Phillips might be back, and you've got Harrison Phillips. I don't really want to do anything there at defensive tackle. 
Uh, linebacker, I think I'm good as long as Lorenzo's back. Safety, I know I'm good. Trey White, I know, is my number one corner. And the one position I would have said they need to change over, they need a, or they need a new starter at that position, midway through the year would have been number two corner. Because Vontae Davis, of course, gets gets the hell out of town at halftime, and that all happens. But here comes Levi Wallace on the scene. Today, Pro Football Focus has him rated as the number one corner in football that was a rookie this year. The number one ranked rookie. Back-to-back years, by the way, the Bills have had that. Back-to-back years, the Pro Pro Football Focus has rated a Bill as being the best rookie cornerback in the league. Last year was Trey White. This year it's Levi Wallace. So do I need a new starter there? I don't think so. I mean, those metrics for PFF are usually pretty accurate. I don't think I need something there. I could use it. If there's a Greedy Williams from LSU who's one of the top prospects in this year's draft, I think I've seen a lot of uh, mock drafts having him go top five. Like, if that guy were to fall to nine, sure. Like, I don't need... Levi Walsh doesn't have to be my starter there, but I don't need that. That's just more continuity. I might have 11 starters on defense that I had from the year before. That could happen. Realistically. When's the last time that was the case here. So all of a sudden, I've got my quarterback room that's exactly the same. i got my head coaching staff, other than it seems like some positional uh, coaching changes that are going to happen. Other than that, i got my big three on the coaching staff that are going to be the same. I've got my GM the same. I've got, if not all of it, most of my defense going to be largely the same. That's a big advantage you're going to have over teams, especially two of them in your own division, the Jets and the Dolphins, who are currently looking for new head coaches and maybe Miami a new quarterback. That's another advantage I've got. Why am I not supposed to think this team is going to go 9-7, and 10-6 next year? I think that's completely realistic. I don't think I would pick them to do that right now. If you... Put a gun to my head right now and said, "You've got to pick. You've got to sit. You've got to project what the Bills' season or what the record's going to be next year." I think I'd probably land on like eight and eight right now. But I think realistically, we can start talking about a nine and seven, ten and six year again and making the playoffs. Absolutely, they've got enough stuff here. This is all going to need to come with some more progress from Josh Allen, of course. But the formula's there. The path is there. Before this past year, before 2018 season, the one thing I was harping on a lot was what's my path to making the playoffs? Because in 2017, they found it. It was get turnovers on defense, don't turn the football over on offense, in part because you had a quarterback that did not turn the football over on offense, run the ball well, and I'm going to win games 17-16 to 16 and I'm going to get to the playoffs. And that worked. And last year, there was like one path to making the playoffs, and I just mentioned it a few minutes ago. It was your rookie quarterback's either got to be unbelievably good every game, or you're not making the playoffs considering the other uh, the other talent that you've got around him. Next year, it's a much wider path. Like They're not going down some dirt road anymore, I think, to try to back their way into the playoffs. Like I think they're driving down the thruway now. Like, there's the Chiefs on the left. They're ahead of you, but you can see them now. There they are. They're up there in the fast lane. 
And you've now you've got, you're looking in your rearview mirror, and I think you might be seeing the Jets and Dolphins. I think this is starting to be realistic for next year. Obviously, ton of stuff that's got to happen between then. Free agency, draft, um, everything, training camp, you know, the whole the whole deal, the offseason. But the way I phrased it on Twitter, um, and you can you can answer either via phone, 8030550, or you can hit me up on Twitter at sneaky WGR. The way I put it on Twitter was right now. What would be the worst record the Bills could have in 2019 that you would be happy with? What's the baseline? What's the bar they got to clear? Because there could be disappointment. If they were to go 6-10 and 10 again next year, we'd all be disappointed. If they were to go 8-8 eight and eight next year, I think a lot of us would be disappointed. But if they were to go like 10-6 and six and like take a significant jump led by a rookie quarterback or a second-year quarterback then we're all going to be over the moon. And really, I think you've got to, it, I don't know, I want to say expect that Allen's going to be that much better. I think you should expect that he is better to some extent. But, I don't know. He Progress plus surrounding talent being upgraded, what does that equal for Josh Allen? That's the biggest question with the team right now. He's still a question mark, as I said. But, I don't know. There, there seems to be an opening here in the division um, that's not the Patriots still, assuming the Brady and Belichick are back, and that they're still who they are. I'm starting to see the optimism that maybe everybody was feeling before 2018 happened. But now I think it's completely justified, if you know what I mean. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get in on this. Um, what do you think is the worst record the Bills could have in 2019 that you would be happy with? In other words, what's your baseline? And what's funny is I've gotten a bunch of replies on Twitter so far, and all of them but one that I'm seeing right now are 9-7. and seven. So winning record. And I would probably guess that that's going to be the majority opinion. I think people are going to want to see you be in a playoff hunt and not like the normal playoff hunt around here where they're 6-7 and seven and they're in the graphic. Like, playoff hunt like last year where, hey, this is what they got to do in Week 17 to make the playoffs. They need to win. They need one other person to lose. All right, that's realistic. I don't need a list of 20 things to happen with two weeks to go. That's, like, in the hunt is what the Bills were last year. You need to win. That team needs to lose. You're in the hunt. So I think that would probably be my baseline. And I really think 10-6 and six is possible for this team. Like I said, I wouldn't bet on it. That might even be the ceiling for me. I, I, maybe I don't want to say that. Because Allen, his skill set, um, I don't know. If he could, if he took some sort of leap, I don't think I would want to cap them at 10-6. and Because if that were to happen, then the sky's the limit. We're seeing it with the Chiefs right now. Quarterback of that skill set that when he really figures it out, and he's got the surrounding talent, you're watching a team in Kansas City right now that's capable of definitely winning the Super Bowl this year with a below-average defense. And the Bills, I think, would probably expect to be better. Like, significantly better. I think they would expect to be at least like 9-7 and next year. Otherwise, why are you bringing back guys like LeSean McCoy? Who maybe they don't. Like, maybe they trade him, but the way they're talking, I mean, Sean McDermott said it on Monday, 
I think, or maybe Brandon Bean, or maybe both of them, that he is in their plans for 2019. You don't bring back a 31-year-old running back with a big cap head unless you seriously think that you can compete for a playoff spot. Lorenzo Alexander, kind of a similar situation. Although I still think, like, I don't think there's much question about whether he can still do what he's doing. He had a great year last year. And it seems like they're going to bring him back. At least I would guess that at this point. And you don't bring back those two guys if you don't think that you can seriously contend. Like, right away. Because those are veteran players in their 30s. There's also the Antonio Brown thing out there. I don't know if I want to talk about that. Because it's just like, it, I don't know how realistic it is, and that's so dramatic right now in Pittsburgh. But like, wow, what an exciting idea that would be. <laughs> just that would be incredible. It, I don't even know if I would like the move because of what they probably have to give up. But just, that would be, to me, the the one thing the Bills could do this offseason that would just be so exciting would be to land a receiver that is, like, of that echelon, like, top-tier receiver. A.J. Green, Antonio Brown, like, one of those guys. The Giants said they're not trading Odell Beckham today. Like, that name, like, that level of player. Um, I don't. I guess I don't want to completely rule out that they would try to get a guy like that. Um, otherwise, maybe they do it in the draft, or maybe they go, uh, maybe they go a little bit, you know, lower-end free agency for that. 803-0550 is the phone number. Um, we'll get to your calls after the break. I also want to go through... The positions that I think need to change here in terms of starters, the starters I think that, that I think need to be changed. And I've got a couple of uh, options from both free agency and the draft for both for all of them. Um, and of course, there are also guys you know that could get bought out at some point. So we'll kind of go through that. Some starters I think need to be out of there, and uh, some potential replacements uh, for each. We'll do that next. Derek, we've got our over unders. From before the year. We need to go over that, see who won. Uh-oh. Yeah. We'll do that in hour number two, so I can't wait for that, too. I I was in the lead, like, midway through the year, so I, I'm feeling pretty good. But we'll see. We'll see how we ended up. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer. 803 is the phone number here on WGR. You know, that was part of what these... Uh, these quarterback trips that we did last spring. You know, at this point last year, I don't, I'd only seen these guys on film and live. I'd never got to talk to them the first time. So that's what was so important is get to know what's in the core, you know, what's in the heart, what's in the soul, what's in the brain. And what you started out with, Josh is very smart. He picked up our offense, and Brian runs a complex offense. He picked it up well and, and continued to grow and get more comfortable, you know, every game, every rep. Bills general manager Brandon Bean. He was on with One Bills Live earlier today. You can find that on demand at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. 803-0550 is the phone number. A question for tonight. What would be the worst record the Bills could have in 2019 that you would be happy with? Most are saying 9-7. and seven. Uh, Others just strictly saying playoffs. A couple of 10-6ers. and sixers. One guy saying 8-8. Eight and eight. Mike on Twitter says 8-8. Eight and eight. I feel like most people would be disappointed with 8-8, eight and eight, though. Uh, let me know what you think. Let's go to Jonathan Alden. You are on the nightcap. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, Joe. Thanks again. Um, my, I got two first point of view. My heart and my head. My heart is saying 
But last year, we ended the longest at the playoffs of the Big Four sports. So my heart's saying take the next step, end our playoff win drought, or at least end our playoff touchdown drought. But my head realistically is thinking this will probably be a 9 or 10 win team that might need a little help to get into the playoffs. I think, I think, I think what the playoffs might be a street. So, um, I, so realistically, I'd say 9 or, I'd say, um, a 9 or 10 wins. All right, Jonathan, thanks for the call. Um, yeah, 9 or 10 wins is about where I'm at. I said 10 on Twitter. Maybe I'm backing off that a little bit, saying 9. Um, but I think it's realistic. I think it's realistic that they could, uh, they could be in a playoff spot next year. Absolutely. And I think maybe we should start to expect uh, that that's going to happen. Because at some point, you've got to do it. At some point, you've got to expect the jump. We've kind of been going through this with the Sabres the past couple of years. Like, when is the jump coming? When is the jump coming? And this year, it's like, all right, finally, it's here. And now they're coming back down to earth again. So, like, now what are expectations for the Sabres? Is it playoffs? Is it, I don't know, getting back in the top three? But for the Bills, I think... Depending on what Allen looks like next year, assuming he doesn't plateau and he progresses and you've got better pieces around him, I mean, he should get better, right? There's no way that the surrounding talent's going to be as bad as it was this year, especially at the beginning of the year when he's trying to throw to Andre Holmes and Kelvin Benjamin who take an hour to get into their routes. Let's look through some of the starters. Who's going to change? That's kind of the thing I was thinking of earlier because defense... I don't think there's. I, I'm not going to sit here and say anybody, right now. I'm mean, obviously Kyle Williams is, gonna, is retired, but maybe they do that in house. Maybe that's Harrison Phillips. Maybe that's Jordan Phillips. Maybe it's a combination of both. I think that you could absolutely fill that um, that role in house. And then on the offense, like that's where the most turnover comes. And to me, when I'm looking at it right now, one wide receiver spot probably has changed when it comes to starters, and that's just top two as of right now. And you've got Zay Jones, you had Robert Foster. Those were your starting two receivers at the end of the year. I like Robert Foster right now. Jones had a great game against Miami to end the year, and he had better stats throughout the season. But the way Foster came along throughout the season, with his speed, his size, he's got more physical tools to me than Jones has. Um, He seems like a more dynamic player. I'd like to see him be the starting outside receiver opposite of somebody else. I think that's one spot you need to change. Put Zay Jones in the slot and kind of make him the intermediate route guy. See if you can go find another really good outside receiver that you can put opposite of Robert Foster. And I think that's one of the positions that changes. I think Zay Jones is a starting wide receiver. I don't need that to happen. I need one of that, one of those guys, though, to kind of be put a one peg lower. Offensive line. I wrote down three names. Maybe four. Maybe four. But it seems like Wyatt Teller, by most accounts, is pretty good for the limited action he played in his rookie year. Ryan Groy slash Russell Bodine, you got to get a new center in here. Our own Nate Geary here at WGR on Twitter earlier, he ranked his biggest needs for the Bills in the offseason. He ranked center number one. They definitely got to get better at center. Right guard, they, I think you need, a new, you need a replacement for John Miller. I think you need a new starting right guard. And I think you need a new starting right tackle. I think Jordan Mills came along a little bit throughout his Bills career. But pass protection, I mean, two years in a row now, I've watched the cover one guys and others on Twitter posting yards per pass, posting like the film or the all 22 version of the plays. And time after time, it seems like, 
Jordan Mills gets beat by an edge rusher with speed, and he's got a quarterback that is able to escape it with their mobility. I think maybe he's been bailed out a little bit in the past couple years with that. Now, like I said, I think he's gotten better than the train wreck he was at the beginning of his Bills career, but I think I'd like to see a better and new right tackle in here as well. Maybe that's even Deion Dawkins. I mean, if they get the opportunity, like that would probably be the draft. Yeah, if there's if like a super Jonah, good, yeah, Jonah, Jonah Williams, Williams, for example. Yeah, by if the way, that happened. Put Dawkins at right tackle. That that could be the same. By the way, here. there's a reason I sprinkled the name Connor McGovern in there in the updates today. It was to get a familiar name for a guy who could play center or guard. Never heard of him before in my life. What's his name? Connor McGovern, Penn State, and he was a guy who was a, you know, preseason favorite for. You know, a Remington Award, which is awarded to the top center. He's a guy that you know he has some hype to him. I've got a couple. Uh, I got a couple names for each for each uh, position here. Wide receiver, and like I said, I'm looking for an outside receiver. What's funny about free agency? It seems like I, in, I the way I did it on Spot Track, who does the who has a list. You can you can get a list of the free agents this year, and then you sort it by. I sorted it by most receptions this past year that are going to be free agents. And it's like the top five guys are all slot receivers. Adam Humphreys, number one, had 76 catches. He's a free agent. Golden Tate, slot receiver. He'll be a free agent. Larry Fitzgerald's a free agent, but I don't think he's playing anywhere other than Arizona. Cole Beasley, slot receiver. Chester Rogers for Indy, slot receiver. And then you're getting to like the Robbie Andersons of the world. Devin Funches, it's just everyone keeps saying he's gonna end up a bill. I kinda hope that doesn't happen. He's not and you know what, I, I wouldn't be totally against it. I think he's a good player. I think he'd be an upgrade, but I think I'd want to do better uh than Devin Funches there. John Brown's gonna be a free agent. I like the idea of him. He's just a burner. I like the draft for receiver more. I'm starting to really get into some of these receiver prospects, and I'm starting to really like the idea of a couple of them. I don't know if you would pick them at nine. It probably seems a little high, but I've seen some mock drafts taking the, these guys. DK Metcalf from Ole Miss, the guy who I really wanted and I'm very happy declared for the draft today. Marquise Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma, super fast. I again, I don't think you would been. I don't know if you necessarily take him at nine. Uh, CBS Sports, for instance, is the site I got pulled up for the rankings here. They have him as the 31, 31st ranked prospect. But I would love to end up with him. He's oh, just got wheels, wheels upon wheels, and you can get that other places. I just mentioned John Brown, who's going to be a free agent. Uh, Deshaun Jackson seems like they're going to move on from him in Tampa, and he wants out of there. So maybe you could even do that. But I love the idea of getting one of these receivers in the draft. The top two receivers, by the way, are both from Ole Miss. That's interesting. Um, when looking at center, Derek just mentioned the guy from Penn State. Uh, what's his name again? Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern. Uh, CBS has him ranked as the number one center. There is a couple other options. They're tight end. Everyone's talking about this being a really deep tight end class. Uh, Noah Font from Iowa is the top guy there. There's someone from Missouri. There's no chance I'm going to be able to pr- pronounce this guy's name on the first try. Uh, Albert Okua Bunam. How'd I do? Sure. Caden <laughs> Smith from Stanford is highly ranked here too. Everyone's talking about this being a deep tight end class, and that's that's my final name here on the list of a starter I think needs to change. And I think we can all get on board with this. I've been on this train almost since the first couple games I saw him play as Bill. I've never been a Charles Clay fan. I think he's a 
okay tight end that was being paid top five money because the Bills had to do that since he was a restricted free agent from a division rival. And that needs to get better next year. You need a they need to get better at tight end, just plain and simple. And I think they're gonna do that. I mean, he was a healthy scratch week sixteen. That should say something. And I like Kroom, um, but not as my starting tight end. I mean, he's a converted wide receiver. It doesn't seem like they trust him a whole lot blocking yet. So I'd like to see them do something at tight end. That probably wouldn't be for sh- almost actually probably almost for sure would not be a first round pick. But maybe Noah Font like in round two, or maybe you get one of these other guys in round two. Um, draft obviously is always the way you want to go. Tight end in free agency. Your options there, you're looking at Tyler Eifert, who just cannot stay healthy. I mean, he's a good talent. He's a very good pass catcher. He's only 28, but just cannot stay on the field. You want to talk bad luck, man. That is a dude yeah. that's got it. I think he's missed like 65% of the games of his, of his career. Something and, crazy like that. And I mean, like his latest one, it's like it's just a freak accident that someone falls on his leg. Right. Destroying it. I think when you just, you're injury prone, I think you're just injury prone. When you're injured um, prone, things just happen, and it's not his yeah. fault. It's just things happen. Uh, other options they could go for, the Bills go for in free agency to replace Charles Clay. The When sorting by receptions, Jared Cook is the top guy. He had a really good year in Oakland. He's a little bit older, though, 32. He had 900 yards and six touchdowns. It's a great season. Uh, C.J. Uzuma had 43 catches for the Bengals. He actually replaced Eifert. I would tend to think the Bengals are going to try and re-sign him. He's only 26. He seems pretty good. Um but if he were to make it to the open market, I'd like to see us see the Bills grab him. Ricky Seals-Jones doesn't really, I think, fit as your starting tight end over Jason Kroon because like Jason Kroon, he's a converted wide receiver that he's had problems blocking. But he's only 24 years old, and he's got some decent speed, so that's another option. Jesse James from Pittsburgh. Uh, Jeff Swaim and Dallas started some games for them this year. It's kind of Benjamin Watson. I think he's retiring. He's 38. So tight end's not super deep in free agency, but I think it's actually you got better options there than uh, than you might have at wide receiver. So that's just kind of a couple names that you could be looking at. Offensive line, I'm not going to be able to discern who's great and who's not other than just looking at games started. I mean, if the Bills want to go big money, they could do that, right? Couldn't They could do that in free agency. Uh, Ryan Khalil, the former Panther, there it is, a center. Um, he's a free agent. Mike Ayupati in Arizona, guard. Andy Lavitri is on this list. Let's bring him back. Is he still playing? He must be. He's on this list. Atlanta. Yeah, he's still playing in Atlanta. He, remember what happened with him in Tennessee? Nick Easton's only 27, UFA from Minnesota. Although their offensive line was one of the worst in history, so maybe I wouldn't want to grab something off that. I'm interested to see what they do. James Carpenter from the Jets. That's a name I know. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's get one call in before we go to the break. Kevin in Williamsville. Kevin, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hi, guys. I like your show. Thank you. For me, for me, it's minimum 10 and 6, of which 5 have to come from our own division. 5 from our own division. So that means they're sweeping Miami and the Jets, and they're beating New England once. At least once. Maybe 6. Maybe we sweep that division. Now's the time. Now's the time. We got good coaching, so whoever you get in there, we were ragtag this year, and we really, realistically, should have won nine games. This year? How, how, how do you figure? This year, you put the Houston game in there, and both the, uh, the Jets 
and uh, you know the other another game. I forget what it was, but they <laughs> with a ragtag team and all the problems we had, you know, with injuries and this and that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so hard to play that game, especially when you have a six and ten team. Because you come at me with the Jets games and the Houston game, I can come back at you with the Houston game. I mean, a wide-open Titans receiver that, by the way, got cut the next day, was alone in the end zone and had one of the worst drops I've, I've ever seen, and the Bills won that game. Okay, so I can go now say, okay, the Bills should have been 5-11. and 11. Can't play that game. There were some games that they could have easily that they could have won. There were some games that they could have lost that they won. So 6-10, and 10, like that was a 6-10 and 10 football team. Are we disputing that? Is anybody really disputing that? They were not good. They got blown out like five times. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, most of the losses were just losses. I mean, yeah, the Miami game, the Houston game, that's really it. If you want to argue one Um, of those with me, it's just, yeah, that's like those two in the Jets game. Like, that's three games. That's it. Kevin, I like your optimism, by the way, for next year, though. But Derek, correct me if I'm wrong here. If they go five and one in the division and they're only ten and six, that's a pretty bad out of. That means you're like, going 500 against Cincinnati, Philly, Washington, Denver, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, the Giants, the Browns, the Cowboys, the Titans. That is actually a great schedule to have. Steelers. Did I say Steelers? Yeah, you said Pittsburgh. Like, I don't need five wins in my division with that schedule. Right. Split the division, go 3-3, three and three and take advantage of some bad teams. Yeah, we'll see how the order shakes out. Like, this year, it was so top-heavy. Remember, we were both talking about that before the year. We're like, man, this is going to be a brutal start to the year. Like, the quarterbacks they had to play at the beginning. We went through the not if, but when Allen comes in the lineup. Right. And that came sooner One than half. both of us thought. One half. I wasn't surprised, to be honest. But, yeah, it was sooner than we both thought. Uh, yeah, next year, their schedule is kind of favorable. Although Cleveland, that AFC North could actually be really good, I think. Yes, but you're playing the NFC East, which was terrible this year. Yeah, that's true. I'm not scared of any NFC East team. No, I'm not either. I might, like, I might, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills swept the NFC East and got swept by the the AFC North. I mean, I'd rather they not, since he's pretty hapless. Yeah, Oh, especially if they hire Hugh Jackson. Mm-hmm. Wow. 803-0550 is the phone number. It's the Nightcap. Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer here on WGR. We didn't go in and say Josh has to play three games, five games, 16, whatever. We just said we'll know when he's ready, and we didn't want to rush it. Um, did it happen a little quicker than we anticipated? Yes. But in the end, I think it helped speed up. You know, there's there's nothing you can do to give him those reps that he got starting, you know, at the end of the Baltimore game. There's Bill's GM, Brandon Bean. We'll play him back in the next hour. I'm with one Bill's Live. Some good stuff in that. You know, experience is good. Why wasn't he going to get it to start? Then why'd Peterman play the first game? That's the one thing from this season that's just such a... Ugh. Like, come on. Really? They started Peterman. Some, excuse me, somehow, I think we're all pretty happy after the year, despite the fact that they once again trotted him out on the field to begin the season. Oh, what a decision. I mean, to be fair, he didn't look awful in the preseason. But that's the problem. Why are you taking so much stock in the preseason? 
I don't know what it was. Like he looked okay in the practices and the preseason and in a competition. He, I can't say that he didn't look good in that case. He fooled a lot of people. A lot of people. He really. You should. To me, the problem was, and he fooled I, the most important people. To me, the problem was you you ever making a decision based solely on a training camp and preseason. I mean, that's how competition works, isn't it? It no, to me, it's that's not it. You, it should be weighted. It should be weighted. Hey, this kid was seventh overall, so he should have an advantage over the other two. Uh, this other guy was also a fifth round pick, but he's been in the league for six, seven years, and oh yeah, has looked semi competent in the games he's played. That guy should also have a slight advantage over the other guy. I'm not saying Peterman should have had no chance, but to me, he would have had to have looked just way, way, way better than the other two to have started. And although he looked great in that Carolina game, if you look at the other preseason games that he played, they weren't against starters, and he wasn't perfect in them. Neither did the others. It was really just a mess. It was a mess. And everyone said it was one of the worst quarterback rooms coming into it. And It's different. It was immediately different, by the way. Oh, I know. But that kind of... But what you're saying, though, with that weighted sort of thing, kind of gives the wrong message in the locker room, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah. you you can't really win there. Well, you like nobody wins in this situation. I think a locker room would understand, uh, wouldn't they? Either way, if they pick McCarron, they say we're going with the veteran. I think they'd buy that. Or if it's Allen, we're going with the rookie. Well, the problem I was think they'd buy that. The problem was McCarron didn't look particularly that good. He looked good in the the one game. What was the first one? Whatever the first one was, they all three of them looked good. Yeah, all three of them look good in Car- against Carolina. Yeah, and then the, and then the next one when McCarron started, he looked terrible. Um, but then they chalked it up right after that to being over for him. Well, because he got hurt. I know, but remember he came back in the fourth one. And yes, when it was that. basically decided by the coaching staff what would happen in the two man race after one got knocked out. To of me, it. just whatever landed them at Peterman was the wrong way to do it. Again, McCarron <laughs> getting hurt didn't help. Trust me. There was no winning this situation. Uh, quickly, the NHL All-Star voting, or All-Star rosters, were released. Jack Eichel in. No Jeff Skinner, despite the fact that he's second in the league in goals. However, as I've just real, I just discovered, because the Sabres just tweeted it out, the NHL this year is having a last-men-in vote tomorrow. Starts tomorrow at noon. So, Sabre fans, if you're really actually upset about Jeff Skinner not making the All-Star game, you can vote him in. Tomorrow, oh. Starting tomorrow at noon. Oh, and good luck dealing with the Tampa fans and the Toronto fans because Braden Point and Mitch Marner also were snubbed. Yeah, that's right. Those guys, those teams already have two, though, each. That's true, but still, that's not going to stop the fans from voting from those cities, right? Particularly Toronto. But see, the NHL now, by the way, all of this is behind closed doors, and I think it's all nonsense. I don't... I think they don't even... I don't, I don't even know if they tally the votes. Who knows? But still, it's just one of those things where... Release if, how many votes each guy got. If, how Skinner doesn't, if, Stinner, if Skinner doesn't get in on this last man in thing, I'm not going to be mad because Braden no, Point and Mitch either. Marner are very equally snubbed. I agree. But I think... This, I think even... And I'm going to shudder saying no, this. No, not but, evenly. I'm, I'm going to stop short of saying evenly. He is second in the league in goals. Yes. But, Anyone that's second in the league in goals should be in the All-Star game. The other, All the other guys in the top five are in, including Landis Cog. He didn't have to, or Landis Cog's not in either, is he? Hmm... Maybe. I don't know about that. Maybe Colorado did have three guys get in. I don't know. We'll check. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll talk a little bit of Sabres uh, next as well as a wrap-up our conversation on the Bills. And then Brandon Bean on One Bills Live in hour number two. That's next on the Nightcap on WGR.